This is Saving the Game, a Christian podcast about tabletop role-playing and collaborative storytelling. Recorded Thursday, June 12th of 2018, it's episode 134. In this episode, Alan, Ashley, and Kyle from the MinMax podcast join us to discuss moral accountability in our in-game actions. Plus, our favorite fictional game masters, a new t-shirt, City on a Hill Gaming, the Bard and Bible podcast, and much, much more. Welcome to Saving the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. I'm Jenny. I'm Alan. I'm Ashley. And I'm Kyle. And that's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the podcast has doubled in size for tonight. Does, the does this break the record bunch. for most on the mics so yes. far? Yes, it does. Oh, yes, we broke another fun. record. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Feeling good. So we have Alan... Ashley and... Is Ashley right? I didn't screw that up. No, you did not screw that up. <laughs> Fantastic. Tell you how I'm doing today. <laughs> I'm, just glad that, I'm just glad that that pause totally wasn't because you forgot it. my name. No, no. And Kyle. Yeah. And Kyle. We have on the mics with us, Alan, Ashley, and Kyle from the MinMax podcast. Folks, introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about uh, your podcast, who you are, and... Why you're on our show? Well, Grant, <laughs> uh, we're on your show because friendship, and uh, we have a podcast that really just covers nerd culture and theology broad strokes, and we kind of just take on whatever strikes our fancy that week. There was a, you know, Kyle was our close friend, or I say was as if he's not our friend anymore. <laughs> he mo- he moved out of state. He no longer has yeah, the terms he's, of he's friendship. He's now your geographically distant friend. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. All of the hosts are that to each other on Saving the Game. No judgment. <laughs> but we were we were just gaming one night, and I was just like, "Hey guys, I was listening to this podcast. It wasn't yours. It was it was two um, voice actors that we appreciate." And uh, I was like, "And their podcast is fun because it's them." But all, all intents and purposes, it's a pretty crappy podcast. I think we could do better. And we just decided we would try. Fair. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really fun. Uh, Ashley and I had, had a go-round where we'd considered doing another podcast with another friend. But it was one of those things where we tried over and over and over to uh, kind of get names going and start talking about the gear discussion. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a bit of a gearhead, so that tends to be the first thing on my mind. Uh, and But it, we, we probably talked for a week and we couldn't get anything going. Ashley proposed the idea to Kyle and I in a text message. We had a name in 30 minutes. We'd already split up the allocation of gear, and we already had set a rough recording date inside of an hour. So we kind of were like, all right, this is this. I think this is going to work. Yeah. And this was with Ashley and I both having that hardcore introvert fear of like, oh, talking out loud to people relatively unscripted. That's terrifying and awful, but we're like going to do it anyway. Even our even our test recording was a lot of Kyle and I just kind of not making eye contact with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, at least I'll give you this prop. You guys went out and got decent quality audio gear before you started podcasting, <laughs> unlike us. So... <laughs> You gotta start somewhere. <laughs> and we started with gaming headsets. <laughs> Cheap, cheap you gaming it. headsets. So you are authentic. You are authentic to your cause. Yep. Use <laughs> yes. gaming gear. 
<laughs> and hey, you guys sat down and you actually did something, which is better than like 50% of people who try to do any kind of creative endeavor. There's so many people who sit there and say, let's do something. And then it never gets past the imagination dream stage. You guys sat down, you recorded and we're what, nearly 200 episodes in. I think you guys have done all right. It's like 150-ish with the bonus ones. With but the bonus ones, yeah. Six about- years. I mean, I feel like we've been fairly consistent. Yeah. <laughs> Except yeah. for that first year where we were not at all consistent. No. <laughs> <laughs> that first year was, it's amazing we made it to the second year, honestly. Also, choosing to start a podcast when your wife is six months pregnant, great planning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're running into that a little bit on our end too every once in a while with the all of us moving around and starting mm. new jobs oh i was and- gonna say kyle is this an announcement are you pregnant I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh congratulations <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, we, you know, even just the scheduling of this is it's like, okay, we have to get them on before Alan and Ashley move to Scotland. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how many time zones that crosses. I haven't actually looked it up yet, but that would make scheduling just a little bit crazy. It's Uh, seven hours ahead from, well, seven hours ahead from mountain time. So six hours ahead from central. I know because my sister is there now. So I have to do this math like all the time. Yep. (laughs) And and five for me because I do a lot of European tech support. So hooray. Oh, geez. (laughs) Woohoo. Yeah. But hey, we've got all three of you on and it's fantastic. It's a full house. The fullest we've ever had. So thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it, especially because, as you said, Things are kind of hectic for you all right now, and we really appreciate you making time for us. We really appreciate the offer. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, normally we we leave a spot for somebody, you know, who's come on our show to to plug something. And I assume you would like to plug your podcast. I'll give you a chance to do that. But if you've got something else uh, that you want to plug as well, you know. Feel free. Yeah, um, something we can actually plug. We actually are, by the time this releases, this will be in the public knowledge, uh, but we are actually launching a Patreon for uh, MinMax, and we wanted to go the full calendar year, so this uh, episode 52 drops uh, two days from now, or at the time of recording, and we wanted to wait a full year before we do that. So we're actually, by the end of the month, we're going to be rolling out a Patreon for our uh audience to kind of jump in and we're doing really simple things like slack access discord access things like that we're trying to keep those all really low level like the dollar tier so it's Mm -hmm. not really a paywall that people can just jump in and just hang out and then we'll be offering other things t-shirts all that jazz so that's that's kind of the big thing which uh, you guys just released a new t-shirt design didn't you Yes, I whipped yeah. it up today, actually. I'm going to talk about it here in just a little bit. Oh, sweet. Nice. I'll let you do that. Segway. <laughs> Segway, indeed. <laughs> we might as well go ahead and do that real fast. Before we do that, though, where can people find the MinMax podcast? I hate this question. Alan, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do, do we want to ask this is every week? She hates this question more than anything else, I think. <laughs> it's like According chores. To it's podcast I heard latest, chores. Google, I guess? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you can find us everywhere. Uh, and by everywhere, I mean Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I don't think I've left anything Reddit. off there. Uh, Reddit's a different one. You can find us everywhere. See, uh, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Word of mouth. We're like a speakeasy. I don't know. <laughs> you can find the us. Illegal at min- podcast in the basement of his bar. <laughs> 
if you guys search MinMax Pod, you will find us on Google Play. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple, obviously. You can find us on the social media handles at MinMaxPod at pretty much everywhere. MinMaxPod at gmail.com is our email. And uh, we have a subreddit and a Reddit account at MinMaxPodcast. And if you guys have any other interesting things or you just want to find a simple link, you can just go to MinMaxPod.com. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, just from all of us here, I think we can all safely say that we have enjoyed listening to the Men Max podcast as well. Very much. Very oh, much. Thanks. Thank you, yeah, guys. Thank you. I yeah. really enjoyed the Black Panther episode, by the way. Oh, sweet. Nice. Yeah, I had to skip that one because I haven't seen it yet. Uh, That's okay. No. That's fair. Yeah. You, you did the wise thing. like it when you do. Oh, boy, howdy. Will you ever like it when you do? <laughs> I think the only MCU movies I've seen are Doctor Strange and the first Iron Man. So really? I'm a little behind. And that's okay because this one is kind of really separate from that. So you don't really need a whole lot of content. This is true. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's true. It kind of stands it's, alone yeah. and, and holds its own. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. just one of those where I just, I have to find the time to do it and I don't love the movies anyway. So yeah, fair. But anyway, yeah, I had to skip that one, but all of the ones I have listened to are really, really good. Good conversation. A lot of fun. Uh, the latest one made me want to go pick up all the Lemony Snicket books because I haven't read those. And uh, you're need to. welcome. <laughs> those may actually be relevant to today's discussion. They fact. may, as mm-hmm. as this happens, they might be. I was thinking about that uh, this afternoon. I am I am super happy to get on my sad sack soapbox anytime you need me to. <laughs> sad sack soapbox needs to be a T-shirt. I'm just saying. <laughs> Duly noted. Duly noted. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. A couple of quick news and notes bits. Um, first, as mentioned, speaking of T-shirts, we do have a new T-shirt in our store. Did you know we have a store? We have a store. Uh, I never talk about <laughs> it, but it is a thing we have. And if you go to our website, you can click the store link up there. And this is a T-shirt that I whipped up today uh, with, oh, my gosh, what if story on it? <laughs> uh, calling back to an earlier episode. <laughs> Cool thing about this one, and this is why I do like using Zazzle for t-shirts, the design works on over 100 different shirts. It's any dark color for any style, gender, or size. Uh, You get to choose that, so plenty of customization options to make it whatever you want. Nice! If you have a particular design that you're interested in, go for it. That's the the beauty of print-on-demand. Go nuts! Yeah, check the show notes for that, or or of course just go to our website, sdgcast.org, click the store link up at the top in the menu, and enjoy. Out of curiosity, have you guys been playing anything recently that's of interest? Talking about board game game wise, or are you talking about like, like video game wise? Gaming, Gaming in general. Gaming in general. I mean, Alan and I have been going through Child of Light consistently. Mm. We thought that we were oh, nearing the end, one. and then we realized that we had more game than we had anticipated, which exactly. is awesome. It's always like a nice sort of surprise but I had read all these reviews and they're like oh there wasn't much gameplay left for you to really work with and I was just like oh okay um, it's a short game them. right exactly <laughs> so then we, you know, we, we got to what is essentially like nearing a climax and I was like wait oh no we have at least like three to four hours left probably if more than that so we're in this underwater world looking for the sun currently because that's oh, a normal that thing one, you do I why, why is it the water levels? Right. It's always the water levels. It's giving, me, like, forever. It's giving me Sonic the Hedgehog palpitations. Like, I get stressed. I'm going to throw my tumbler at you. But yeah, it's a yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful game. And it's funny because our housemates, are whenever they see it on, they're like, what do you play in that fairy game again? Because they all they see is like wings and flying. So they think like, oh... 
I'm playing a fairy and Alan's playing a, I think they called you a water drop at last time. I think so. Because <laughs> <laughs> they just, they don't game at all. So they have no clue. They have no context. So that's always fun. But yeah, no, I, I love that game. The All the music was actually composed by one of my favorite Canadian music artists. No way. Uh, yeah. Cœur de Pre- I, I will say a French word. Hang on a second. Super excited to hear this French word. Uh, <laughs> it's a hard one because it's got one of those vowel clusters. Uh, Coeur de, uh, de pirate. That sounded Heart like magic. In English. Uh, but yeah, no, she's she's an awesome singer. Um, sort of, uh, m- most of the ones I've heard from her have been sort of folksy, but I know that she also does a lot of rock stuff. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, she's really cool. That's awesome. I have to look that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, I jumped on the Fortnite train. Uh, I've, I've been wanting to do it and I didn't realize that they'd released it. I, I missed the memo that this one was free and because I'd been playing PUBG on my phone, I've been wanting desperately to download it somewhere else, but I couldn't justify the cost on Xbox. And then I realized, wait, Fortnite is free on Xbox. Okay. Jump a chip going to Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and I understand your confusion because didn't it start as not free? It was part of a different game. And then they were like, wait, this is super popular let's make it its own thing Uh, to be completely honest i'm actually not all that up on the development cycle of this one but yeah as soon as i realized it was free i i realized it at work so immediately logged in via the app on my phone and sent it home to the xbox and then (laughs) showed up at home and went hey ashley guess what i installed and she saw it she's like oh crap (laughs) (laughs) okay so i do know some of the development cycle of this one it originally was going to be a Full price single player game, if I remember correctly. It became a free to play multiplayer game with multiple types of virtual currency, and then they added a battle royale mode after PUBG was really popular. That's what it was. Mm. Okay. Gotcha. That sounds about right. I had a student actually who gave his informative speech on Fortnite and Fortnite strategy. <laughs> So that's part of why my eye rolling was so severe when Alan came home and said, guess what I'm going to get into? And I said, Lord, no. And then I just walked into another room. (laughs) Well, I was really shocked the other night because just out of nowhere, we all happened to be on Xbox at the same time. And all of a sudden, Alan's jumping on me. He's like, download Fortnite. And I'm like, where is this coming from? We've never even talked about this game before. (laughs) At the same time, I was trying to coax you into buying Destiny 2. Right. So, so both of you on separate <laughs> in separate channels are, are harassing me to play a game and I was like, did you guys buy another Xbox? Like, how are you doing this and expecting me to play two games at once? Spend your money. <laughs> yeah, no, on our end, it's really just been various different D&D games and then mm-hmm. Stardew Valley multiplayer beta. Well, Actually, yeah. we should talk about the D&D thing, though, because we should this talk happened about the last, last Friday. So Jenny and I both recently appeared on what's going to be two episodes of the City on a Hill Gaming actual play podcast. This was the first time I had ever done actual play. I played Same an here. enormous like nature paladin guy. I played a uh, uh, Herald of the Storm Barbarian elf. High elf so that I could get the the shocking grasp cantrip. And so I could just be like made of lightning. That is baller. (laughs) I had a really cool intimidation moment. I won't spoil it because y'all got to go. I'm really excited to listen to to, to to check it out. But. I got to intimidate somebody. I intimidated the pants off a dude. <laughs> please tell me that's literal. Yeah, no. Please. <laughs> no. Oh. Actually, on a hill, of course there, it's not literal. It's not literal. However, there was a severe amount of leg damage involved, so probably at least damage to pants. Okay. 
That's all I ask. I'm just picturing really? cartoon pants being like, F this, I'm out of here. <laughs> I think that was probably the most intentionally merciful character I have ever played. Yeah, like, I was like, this is like Peter times 10. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow! <laughs> But I think I remember you mentioning it in our Slack channel. I was like, of course yeah. you did, Peter. Of course you did. <laughs> no, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing it. I need to catch up on City of on a Hill Gaming. I have so much in my podcast feed. It's it's hard to oh, stay on top know, of any one thing, especially because when I look at a backlog, I'm like, that is anywhere from seven to 50 episodes I need to go listen to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dear. oh, speaking of, I, I'm not done with this stuff yet. I also recorded um, the very next day a Bard and Bible episode with Derek White, and that should be going live sometime yes. probably before this episode drops. Cool. Yeah, probably. I'm so excited awesome. for that. I'll make sure to link anything I can in the show notes for those who uh, <laughs> <laughs> who want it. Presuming that we have a specific episode to link to, I'll make sure to link to that. Otherwise, you'll link to we'll link to the podcast. Yeah, by the way, if you're not listening to Bard and Bible, oh my goodness, <laughs> listen yeah. to Bard and Bible. I started doing, I, I started listening after Mike asked me to do a guest episode of it. I was like, I know he's been doing this thing, but I never, yeah, um, I've been chewing through multiple backlogged episodes a day just because I can't put this thing down. So yeah, it's, it's very good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else we want to talk about real quick? Otherwise we have a Patreon question to get to. I'll take that as a no. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> okay. So normally I would roll for a random Patreon question here, but because we have six people, I figured I'm going to go ahead and pick a question that I think will be relatively quick to answer for all six of us, but should also be a lot of fun. So this one comes from Richard Lawrence, and his question is, which fictional character, books, movies, TV, comics, RPG characters, whatever, would you want as your game master? Uh, my oh. my answer, I've got one picked already, and I'm not going to pretend that this is an original idea because I did not think this up, but um, I would want Midoriya Izuku from uh, My Hero Academia to be my game master because that kid is all about taking notes and being organized. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Merlin from Disney Sword in the Stone. Ooh. Hmm. hmm. Why? Okay. Because uh, AR stuff. <laughs> The the um <laughs> the kitchen scene and stuff you would actually probably have like little miniatures that animated and fought each other as you described your actions in the game and stuff and that would be you're, very cool. You're absolutely totally right. Do that. Huh. You're you're absolutely right. And now I almost feel bad for just being like I just want a dude who takes notes real good. <laughs> I just want an organized GM. Clearly, that's a fantasy question right there. <laughs> yeah, <no kidding. laughs> I, I say as I hide my, like, massive folder of game notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, also, to be fair, l uh, last night for, for gaming night, we spent a good half hour looking for all our character sheets because they just up and disappeared. Oh, so, like, I would no. love to, to just, you know, have an organized GM. Over 50% of our gaming group probably has some level of ADHD. So, like, we just don't know where anything is at any given second. <laughs> Can I tangent there real quick and actually plug uh, a different Patreon that actually is really, really helpful? So, sure. uh, we actually use a, uh, between Ashley, Kyle, and I, we actually use a PDF uh, character sheet thing that's made by a uh, guy that goes by more purple, more better. And it's a smart PDF spreadsheet that actually is really fantastic. And what's great is once you save it out, all you have to do is open it in Adobe uh, Reader. And then you can actually 
keep everything in like Dropbox so then at any given point you can pop it up in your phone. It's actually really, really cool and really useful. Now that works for D&D. We were actually playing not D&D, but <laughs> if, he makes, if he makes non-D&D things. That I don't think that he does. Said, that said, that sounds like a really good idea. And, and it, just to indict myself a little bit, I GM from behind a four monitor rig at home on my desktop PC. <laughs> <Jeez>. So... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continuing on with the question. Yeah. I I'm I'm jumping back and forth between two characters. Um one would be Bilbo Baggins just cuz storytelling, oh, you know, something that really seems to be part of his core that he delights in. I feel like he would just enjoy crafting a really good story even if it ends up slightly being about himself. I don't mind. Um or Arthur Weasley cuz I feel like he would just be so enthralled oh, with something so like that up. muggle-based tactile like this is what you yeah. think wizards do oh okay well here let me do some foley work and a little bit of enchantment to like delight your muggle senses and i would just i would be more delighted by him getting delightment out of the game and our fascination than i would even necessarily be playing so i just be, i would just be watching him the whole time but if you had to choose... Probably Arthur Weasley. Arthur Weasley? Yeah, just because I feel like I would be so delighted in his delight by it that I'd just be like, this is worth it even if the game's crap. Mm. I think I I'm going to go... Go ahead, Kyle. I think I'm going to go with Gandalf, which specifically just because I imagine that that campaign would just be like endless chaos of, of 90 degree turns and deus ex machina like it would just be fun to see how many different directions it goes all at the same time and then watch him like pull it all together and be like see i had a plan like okay get off when <laughs> you would never just happened you would never have to have minis for your monsters because he just puff them out of his pipe this is true which would also go. be fun yeah that would be I think we're just getting around to the realization that we all want wizards. <laughs> so I'm torn between two. Um, Mycroft Holmes, uh, I think, would be a really interesting one because mm. if whenever we are whenever we are exposed to Mycroft in the Sherlock stories, he's always just as smart as his brother, and it's a little bit terrifying. But he's also had all this time of watching a lot of things and kind of being a part of the government, and so that's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, but if he was the DM, you'd have to have game at his house because he'd eat you out of house and home. That is very true. <laughs> he would be definitely be at his house. Um, the other one is Ari from the Kingkiller Chronicles. Because mm. her kind of lackadaisical, all over whimsical brain where everything doesn't seem like it makes sense except it makes perfect sense, I feel like would make for an extremely fun time because she would start saying all sorts of strange things and you don't really think about them. But then when it circles back around and you realize, oh, crap, she told us exactly what was going to happen five play sessions ago but none of us were listening for it and we thought it was just a throwaway turn of phrase i feel like that would be so much fun that's the same reason i was considering wit from the um uh oh goodness sanderson's giant stormlight archive stormlight archive my <laughs> goodness I, I apologize for the listeners i am not feeling well and my brain is at like 20 percent capacity i was considering wit for much that same reason um I think my answer is going to be Lord Vetinari from Discworld oh. running oh, be a good too. like a vampire game complete with all the politicking. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, that, that would, would be, be so very good. 
That would um, be very good. It might actually be lethal to players, but I'd enjoy it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You'd be very happy right before you died. I'd want to hear the actual play of that, but I wouldn't have the guts to be <laughs> 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 ah, And another player has bitten the dust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Did we get everyone? Yes. I believe so. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, so Richard, thank you. Uh, I apologize to everyone else for not rolling randomly, but this needed to be a, a relatively quick question. So Richard, thank you. Thank you for that. Let's move on with our scripture real quick, and then we can get into our main topic. Who wants to start us off with Psalm 7? Sure. Psalm 7, verse 14 through 16. Whoever is pregnant with evil conceives trouble and gives birth to disillusionment. Whoever digs a hole and scoops it out falls into the pit they have made. The trouble they cause recoils on them. Their violence comes down on their own heads. And we have Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. I guess I'll take uh, Matthew thirteen thirteen. This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. So Mark 7, verses 14 through 23. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull? He asked. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them? For it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All of these evils come from inside and defile a person. So our main topic tonight is moral accountability and in-game actions. Um, how much do the actions of our characters reflect on us at the table? Are we accountable for the sins and virtues of our characters? So kind of in summary, welcome MinMax. As a token of our friendship, we have chosen to wallop you with the heaviest, most angst-ridden topic our fevered minds, mostly mine, could come up with. <laughs> hey, we appreciate it. <laughs> I figured we're going to have two seminarians on. <laughs> now is the time. <laughs> yes. Okay, so kind of the core question of this whole thing is how much out-of-game weight should we assign to our in-character actions? And for those who have read the blog, you know that this is something that I constantly kind of wrestle with, so I'm really looking forward to hearing some other perspectives on this. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting question. And from my end, it's interesting because I'm always taking things from an acting perspective. So this is a this is a topic that we talked about at length in my acting and directing classes. You know, what can you ask an actor to do as an actor? What are you comfortable doing yourself? Um, and I think personally for me, a lot of what I do as a character on stage or in a game, I kind of just come down to was it necessary for the story? Did it help enhance the heroics of the hero? Or as the hero, was this necessary to my growth as a character? Um, if there was anything that I had to do in scene with a scene partner or with the rest of the cast, you know, 
we all kind of checked in with one another to make sure we're all okay with what was happening. The only the only situation in which apologies actually needed to be made was I in a scene uh, I was needing to be restrained pretty heavily. And after, I think, five takes of this, I had actual bruises on my arm. And the the actress that was holding Ooh. me back Oof. was like, I am I am so sorry. I did not realize I was holding you back that hard. I'm like, honestly, to be fair, I was also pulling against you as well. So it's not, it's not just you. <laughs> but, you know, debriefing with one another, checking in constantly was really helpful because it all, we all made sure that we weren't, pushing into each other's, each other's boundaries to the point where we felt unsafe or uncomfortable, um, but we're still on board with what we needed to do to get the scene across. So this is something I'm kind of consistently inventorying for myself as well and something I'm pretty interested in as far as acting methodology and ethics are concerned anyway. I think it, for me, because this is, I mean, I, I'm sure for all of us, this is a question that that hits us when we're playing and doing things. I found that because I really enjoy the Robin Hood motif, the whole kind of noble thief thing. There's something about that that's just stuck with me through most of my life. And so especially when I'm playing, um, you know, role playing games or role playing video games, um, that that archetype kind of has a pull for me. And I've noticed that over the last few years, I've kind of started to shy away from that more and more. And there's just so many problematic elements to it and i think the only time i really feel comfortable with it is if i can put a really noble spin to it i know like when i'm talking about role-playing video games i'm basically talking about skyrim for me because that's that's where i lived and the fact that elder scroll 6 is now coming out i'm like there goes a hundred more hours of my life in no time <laughs> but it just just noticing- in roughly 117 hours yeah yeah <laughs> But I think I've recognized like I can do Thieves Guild. I can't do Dark Brotherhood. Like I'll do it every once in a while, but I just I get to the point where I think I almost just lose interest in characters like that now. And I'm not going to, you know, like, oh, I'm so high and mighty because I'm not interested in evil characters because I think there's a lot of important things that can be done with and, and learned through evil characters. I think if we stop empathizing and recognizing the value of evil characters within a story, then we start to lose sight of what that story actually means. I mean, there's a reason villains exist and that's within a story context. And that's to, you know, create the hero, to create the circumstances that allow us to see what the hero should look like. So it's a hard balance. It really is. I think it's also sort of up to the whole group if there is a uh, an evil player character at the group, I, I think a lot of weight should be assigned to how much somebody is like getting off on being evil versus mm. how much someone is like really wanting to explore a certain group or character dynamic. A- exploration versus like grossness, right. <laughs> just, <laughs> like just indulgence. Like, yeah, it, thank you, indulgence. Um. And it, it can be hard to tell that sometimes, but I think it is important, like Ashley said, with with like checking in with everybody. I think checking in like that can really help sort of assess how how appropriate they're being with their in-game actions. Should those in-game actions be morally questionable? And it, it's interesting to hear everybody else talking about like evil characters and stuff, because the one that has made me wrestle the most with this is the 
the one that I'm currently playing in Grant's game, and I'm trying to play him as a very, like, good and virtuous person. Mm. Mm. But the problem is, I have this stubborn, vengeful streak that pops up with things like slavery, for instance. And, okay, to, to go to a video game example, since we've drawn some of those in already, anybody else here play the original Fallout games, the isometric ones from back in the late 90s? Uh, I have not finished it. I've seen okay. them played, haven't played them personally. Yeah, I've watched Let's Plays of them, but... Yeah. Okay. Nope. Did you guys get to Metzger the Slaver in, I believe, Fallout 2? Yeah. I've never played Fallout 2, so so there you go. No, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> have you have you seen that particular thing, though? Yeah. Uh, I'm aware of it, yeah. Okay, so there's this particularly evil slaver, and I remember the first time I played that game... I held off going after that guy until I had a flamethrower, so me killing him would hurt more. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like I said, I get really vengeful sometimes. And it's like, I I have gotten better with that in tabletop gaming, obviously, but it's still, I find it popping out a little bit in my video gaming where it's just kind of me in the game. And I noticed it happening a lot with like the gnolls that we were fighting in Grant's game. And sometimes with like um, the grungs, the grungs and uh, anti bloat in particular also made me pretty angry and vengeful. (laughs) Although I had a lot of angst about that one because I kind (laughs) of recognized it in myself and was like, oh, how appropriate is this? Should we take down this hag who's trying to enslave and destroy us and all of our friends? Should we, though? (laughs) I definitely understand the tension that you guys are getting at, though. One of my favorite characters that I'm playing at, uh, if people are listening from the Mimnax audience, you guys have heard me mention this before, uh, but the character of Mira is a really interesting, uh, she's neutral, but grew up in a like lawful evil, chaotic evil family and then had an encounter with a lawful good god. And so Mm -hmm. her entire training is of the evil variety. And so she uses spells like tensors floating discs to perform interrogations, but she'll have someone start loading up the disc with 495, 496 pounds of rocks and Mm -hmm. know that if she miscalculates and the person dies because she didn't extract the information, Oh, well, it we that might have happened anyway. So but it's really interesting with her. I've I've taken the approach that where normal normally with certain characters, if really strange, really odd ideas start coming to mind, I usually throw them out with her. I've taken off my filter. And so no matter how outlandish it is, I'll just throw an idea out there. And it's been really fun watching Kyle as the DM, watching <laughs> Ashley and the other players kind of reacting like, what is about to happen? In one of our latest sessions, there was this intense moment between Ashley's character, Annika, and Mira, where Annika thought she was basically was bringing danger upon the group and didn't think she wanted to go on anymore. So she handed her her gun and said, will you do me in? And Mira said, okay, but let's talk about it a little bit first. I have absolutely zero qualms about doing this. And if this is what you truly want, let's go. But um, just had this really meaningful conversation that ended up happening out of it. Yeah. And one, and mm-hmm. Alan and I had both gone into that sort of role play scene, Alan knowing that I was willingly 
offering up my character to have the risk run the risk of of being killed in that moment he knew that i was going to be okay with that it wasn't just (laughs) i was going to do that and be shocked if he actually pulled the trigger in game you know we knew each other well enough both in game and and obviously out of game we're married uh, surprise um that (laughs) that that if that if that were to happen he knew that out of game i wouldn't suddenly be you know throwing pots at him or something with <laughs> anger. <laughs> I was so shocked that he would dare to do that. But it was in a really interesting situation and we're all pretty familiar with one another in that game to begin with that it was a really energizing and very powerful scene to be a part of. It surprised us. It was probably the best improv I'd ever been a part of. Oh yeah, oh. it was by far the best RPG improv I've ever done. Yeah, and and our, our friend Celia who's also in this game, I think she was like actually kind of like just lightly weeping as it was happening because her character and my character had uh, a pretty strong relationship up to that point. Um, so she had to have her character leave the room knowing that that was a possibility. Uh, so it was just it was very interesting because really Annika's ethic the whole that whole point at that point was I'd rather die a hero than see myself become a monster so this is the option that's left to me and then really after that had happened we kind of all just looked at each other like okay are are we all right was that all right and we all kind of decided it was awesome which was cool because we all knew that it was a storytelling thing so we could go into it be our characters remove ourselves assess the scene from outside you know outside observers and make sure that everyone was okay which everyone was we were just kind of astounded that it happened as naturally as it did yeah let me tell you running that moment and and i'm sitting there and i'm just this is all playing out and i'm i'm literally like juggling npcs in my head and i'm like who can show up who could who could possibly like who (laughs) would have any reason to to interfere with this moment because knowing alan's character knowing ashley's character i'm like this is gonna happen Ashley's character is going to basically commit suicide. This is dark. This is awful. Who is around to help? And I'm like ticking off NPCs in my head. And I'm like, yeah, no one has any reason to be in that room right now. They're not going to come. For the sake of the story, I just have to let this play out. And I'm just sitting there like biting my nails going, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, what's going to happen? It was one of those moments where I looked at it, though, and saw the... It was so awesome because this character is pushing more and more towards the evil spectrum. And it's really interesting because it's allowing me as a player to explore some things of to get uh, spiritual in this. Like we all we all carry some darkness in us. And it's one of those things we you can't get healthy until you actually absolutely recognize the human capacity for darkness and the human capacity to do evil. And so with this character, I'm kind of just letting me explore that a little bit and it was one of those things where we stepped away from it and had the character knowledge versus player knowledge discussion and checking in with everybody was like wow that was really impactful and that was really that was a really cool intense moment even though the character acted differently than i would it, it was really impactful to be well, a part yeah, of because we just we we actually managed to tell a good story yeah I think right. that's what was impactful, but it wasn't that it was contrived in any way or let's get in our soapbox about this thing. Is this a su- assisted suicide? Is this the thing we want to talk about today? Cool. Let's put that in a story. No, it was just it was, it was just a natural born story. And that's why it was interesting and still entertaining. You know, I ask my students all the time, can drama and tragedy still be a form of entertainment for us? Well, of course it can. 13 Reasons Why is a very popular show because it provides some form of entertainment. It's not happy, but it's entertaining. Um, and so I think that's where 
Kyle, Alan, and I and our friend Celia, we when we go into role playing, we know it's not going to be hilarity constantly. <laughs> you know, and we can be funny. It's fun for us, but we we don't go with the expectation that it has to be comical every time to be an enjoyable RP. Yeah, and I I, I think um, to kind of bring us back around to the the core question that the fictional merits of doing this stuff is pretty cut and dried, right? I mean, a, a lot of the time this will make for a really compelling story. I just, I, I wonder a little bit, and this kind of goes back, I guess, to Ashley's talking about um, the acting stuff, you know, what can you do? What can you ask an actor to do? Kind of where does the line of acceptability, even if it is really entertaining, lie? What's something that I'm constantly digging into and part of why I'm wanting to go forward and do research, the, research on this for my PhD, because I, I don't think the acting community and, and the directing community has really thought about the the ethics as much as they should. I mean, you, you look at any actor who has committed suicide after going into a, a strong period of using method acting. Not that method acting in itself, if you look at the core sort of methodology of method acting itself, isn't necessarily bad. It's the way it's taught or the way it's capitalized on in, from a production or direction standpoint. Um, so I'm... I'm 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 always looking at what is the most ethical form of direction or even, you know, in a in a, a smaller sense in when you're when you're DMing what you're prompting characters to do. And I think that really you really need to take into account if you're a director, if you're a, a GM, a DM, knowing your party or knowing your cast really well to know what where they're at emotionally spiritually uh physically and and where their boundaries actually are because there are actors that will push themselves to say yes of course i will do whatever just to get the job or to stay in the job and i think if you are a responsible director you will recognize that and and be open to talking with them about that and if you know that an actor is unhealthy in some regard not to hire them for that role because they will destroy themselves. I don't care how entertaining they are. I don't want to put an actor in a role that is going to make them destroy themselves. And I've seen that happen time and time again. I think it's also partly on the actor or on the role player themselves. Mm -hmm. If they mm -hmm. suddenly, even if after session zero, after all of the check-ins, they suddenly realize oh, this is going a place where I'm really not comfortable. I think it is, at that point, a, a combined duty of the GM and the player to speak up about it. Yeah. Because I have been in so many games where I've been a player and other players will come to me and be like, oh, no, yeah, I'm having this really big issue. I'm like, go tell the DM. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. because I don't, I don't have control over what your character does or what comes up in the game as right. much as the GM does. But because they want the game to keep going, they don't want to, you know, rock the boat. And I'm just like, no, rock the boat. If you're going to too bad a place for, for you to handle, you need to rock the boat. You need to, you know, capsize this canoe, please. Mm -hmm. The boat rides over. <laughs> if, if, if you're going to too bad a place, you need to do something right now about it. Well, that's why formalized techniques like the X card and lines and veils exist. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not familiar. Can you explain that one? Sure. Are you familiar with the X card? Or? Nah, hmm. I'm a noob. Okay, so um, the X card is basically um, everybody in a game gets a card with just a big X on it. Um, yeah. Or alternatively, there's a card with an X in the middle of the table. Either one. Yeah. Yeah, and if something comes up in the game where it's getting to be too much for whatever reason, 
Um, you either hold up your X card or you reach over and you tap the one in the middle of the table. Huh. And the important thing about this is you do not owe anybody an explanation. Um, you are allowed to provide one if you'd like. You know, it's they're not forbidden. But if it's it's one of those things where it's like, no, 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 this is this is triggering something horrible for my past or something. This needs to stop right now. That's in the moment. Lines and veils is something that you do when you're creating a game. Uh, we actually did oh, it for that's the, right. The I remember this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're basically just to recap. A line is something that you would not be comfortable with having in a game at all in any form whatsoever. Basically, as as far as you're concerned, this doesn't exist in the world. Right. A lot of people have things like you know sexual violence, um, violence against children. Violence against like pet type animals are kind of the, the three big ones that I've heard. And then veils are, are things where it's like, well, I understand that this is something that can be used for interesting storytelling. Just don't rub it in our faces. Have it happen kind of off camera. A lot of the time you'll see like you know, things like torture or um, prisoner abuse or that sort of thing show up in there. So it's it's one of those things where it's like you, you have a way of excluding content from the game either at the beginning you know, so the GM doesn't go through and make a story that includes anything that is going to be automatically upsetting to one of the players or several of them at the table from the outset. Or you have some way of indicating that, whoa, this is too much. We need to stop right now. I'm a big fan of these. They're they're referred to as safety techniques in the LARPing community. Mm. I, I think, uh, you know, they and other techniques like them are great. You'll get some complaining from the, uh, the quote unquote cult of the hardcore, as Sarah Lynn Bowman put it in a an article that I'll try to remember to get into the show notes, but it's better if you have those constraints out front from the outset so that people can kind of work with the palette of paints they've been given. And a lot of the time when people feel safe in their ability to stop something that is too much, they're willing to explore deeper, more difficult content. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one thing that's really important for us to keep in mind, as much as we're all very passionate about our role playing games, you know, at the end of the day, it's our form of entertainment. If it's something that's being destructive for something or for someone, I I don't think any of us have a problem with saying, no, we don't want that. You know, if the point is for us to be entertained, it's not like this is a, you know, something that is so crucial and necessary to our lives that we can't you know what, we need to just set it aside and and let it go um, for the sake of someone's mental health. And something that I think we don't talk about enough in the gaming community, these lines and veils and the X card, these are there as reactions to other players to prevent other people from taking the game in a direction we are uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. We don't really have anything built in to say my character is taking this game. My character is taking this game somewhere. That I'm not comfortable with, even though it's the right way for this character to go. Mm. We don't have some way. I mean, to a certain degree, I believe the assumption is, well, just don't do that. But we're also big fans collectively of play the character, you know, create this character with verisimilitude that really feels believable. And sometimes those characters don't do great things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Inhabit this person. Right. You know, get get in there. Do that almost method style of role playing in some cases. And. We don't necessarily have a, an X card for ourselves. I think the closest we really get with that is like the the post-game check-in. When at the end of a session, you all go, go around and see how you're feeling. I think that was that's really the only widely used tool that I've seen in the toolbox for, for character self-assessment. I think it really is a lot about just being 
very aware of yourself and trusting your GM to really listen to you when you say, oh, whoops, I guess this was a mistake after all. What can we do to change this? And it's also about trusting yourself, I think, in a way to break down a kind of I, I, I get like a really nasty sort of like self-conscious barrier where I am not comfortable talking about how my own character makes me feel. I feel like that's really a... And it's, it may also be partly because I, as much as I do get into my characters, I really do, I still have a massive three brick wall separation between me and my character at almost every turn. And, and that's why I'm, I say at the beginning of every game I play, I'm fine if my character dies. No biggie. I'll just roll up a new one. And I know that a lot of other people don't experience that level yeah. of separation. <laughs> yeah, for just for contrast, that wall is paper thin with me. That's one yeah. of the reasons why I have such a limited range of character archetypes that I play is because that's basically me in there. Mm. So That's interesting. Yeah, I think I'm more like Peter in that I have a pretty paper thin uh, division between where I begin and my character ends. And that's primarily out of habit. And also because whenever I roll up a new character, I've typically isolated some part of myself, a mood, a habit, an ideal, something. And, it, and it's just typically just one specific thing that I can write down in a single word. And then I try to base a character off that because it's just something I'm I'm interested in. And this is where my sort of like Enneagram 5, you know, over cerebral, over analytical <laughs> brain comes in. <laughs> because I, I isolate it because I'm, I'm fascinated by it and I want to kind of inspect it further. And so then I, I, I use, you know, role playing in some regard as a way to do that. And it's still it's still fun for me because that's how I have fun because I am a sick, twisted individual. Um, <laughs> and that that's genuine. Well, I'm kind of right there with you. On <laughs> right. That. It's like, you know, if I don't actually get to get in there and examine anything. Hey, listeners. This discussion was so good, it actually stretched out to just under two hours. So, of course, we had to break it in half. We'll pick up the rest of this conversation with Alan, Ashley, and Kyle next episode. Make sure you check out the MinMax podcast and join us again in two weeks, where we'll finish up this conversation. See you then. This has been a production of Saving the Game. All episodes are produced and published under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution, share-alike license, our logo is by Ruben Smith Zimple of 3d6design.com. Our music is The Promised Place Beyond the Clouds by James Opie. You can find more of his music at nihilore.com. To hear our past episodes, to find syndication and license details, to connect with our fantastic listener community, or to contact us or support our show through Patreon, visit our website at stgcast.org or savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless, do good, and happy gaming.